It's your host, Rebecca Zahara. Me, your girl, Amy. And today we have a beautiful guest, (laughs) Celeste here. And we are on episode six and we'll be um, discussing our experiences with fathers in our life and Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all the good papas out there. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Um, so I wanted to just kind of talk about, um, you guys' experience with fathers in your life growing up. Um, you know, we all have really different experiences. And so, um, whether it's pros and cons, whatever those things are, but what does that look like? for you. I think it's really important to discuss these things. Of of course, young men, it's important, but I think that oftentimes the importance of young women having fathers in their life kind of gets dismissed because they have a mother and a wife is supposed to do this and all these things would kind of dilute the role. Um, So I just kind of want to get you guys' experiences can I just say, in that regard, before we, I guess, get to the experience, I think um, it gets diluted because, um, of course, yeah, you have your mother, and nowadays, in most households, in a lot of households, um, it's single parents, you know, single moms. Um, but I think that's something that uh, people don't realize, or men don't realize, is that um, really, I think that, or this is what I uh, see, is that the men in your early lives are kind of who you base your future men on, the men that you choose to have in your life. Absolutely. So um, I think that a lot of people don't see the necessary, the effect that maybe your toxicity or your gentleness, you know what I mean? How that can make me choose or even see my worth. Because how you treat me as a young woman is kind of how, unless I've done some work or something like that, it's kind of how I tend to treat myself as an older woman. But... That's not like an experience thing. (laughs) Go ahead, Celeste. Okay, so I grew up mainly with my grandfather. My father was not present in my um, childhood much. Um, I just remember being a toddler with him, very young. Um, Not with him a lot, but like visiting. And then my grandfather took the bulk bulk of the raising me. Like, um, that's that's who I consider to be... um, my father figure and this is hard because this is my first father's day without him um i lost him in october of last year so it hasn't even been a year yet um he literally is like a godsend like he was really a blessing in my life so it is pretty difficult that you know not having him but although my grandfather raised me most of my life my father came just in time 
to take that spot that he should have had before. But, you know, I have forgiven him since then because he's been trying very hard um, to be in my life, which I appreciate that now. And he knew that he needed to take the responsibility because he knew that eventually it would happen the day that my grandfather would pass so that he would be able to step up and be the person that he needs to be in my life. How, how would you say, um, okay. So obviously grandpa was invaluable, okay? Period, 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 okay? He was literally out here changing lives, you hear me? Changing yeah. lives just with just a nice word, just something kind to say, just something kind to do. Um, but how would you say, well, grandpa was obviously your dad. How did you, did you feel the lack of your actual father being present. What was that experience like with having someone that you know you can rely on and then the experience that you were having with your dad? Absolutely. Honestly, I was a very sad child, unfortunately. And I remember most of uh, my childhood where I was really sad was middle school because I was putting together all these thoughts in my head. And although I loved my grandfather, I had formed these thoughts that where I started really thinking about the neglect that I felt as a child. And I was like, you know what? I feel bad because my grandparents raised me and my father is not here to be who he needs to be. And my grandparents should be somewhere down South retired, yet they're, they are raising me. So I always felt like a, like a burden, like I was not supposed to be. So then that made me have be, be in a very depressed state as a child. And no child should have to go through things like that at a young age, especially in middle school. But I, I was just trying to put together in my mind why someone would not want to be in my life. Because I've said that several times as a kid, you know, why wouldn't he want me? Why wouldn't he want to be in my life? My grandpa thinks I'm so wonderful. He tells me I'm so wonderful. But how is that true if my actual father doesn't want to be here to raise me? Wow. So I, I totally relate. Oh man, I relate to that one. Oh man, and it's crazy because like, I relate because my father chose not to be a part of my life. Like he made a choice. Um, I think maybe might have been pick this or that, but he chose. <laughs> and then after he chose, I like. After he chose, he like he let me know he chose. <laughs> After he chose. like when I was old enough to understand, like I was fourteen, and like he let me know that he chose. But then by that point, I I guess you know I've always been I've always been kind of okay. I've never really um, not to say that like, I've never needed a dad in my life or something like that, but um, I've never really dwelled on things that I couldn't do anything about. And like the day that he told me that, like, okay. So it's so funny because like, it was like the weirdest situation. I went to court. And it's like, my mama told me we was going to court. I didn't know why we was going to court. 
we just, we would go in there for like something for my mother. So she said, we went in there, my first time being in like this kind of, this whole situation. I'm sitting there talking to my mother. Then this man walks in who I didn't know that was my father. I didn't recognize him as my father. When my mother looked at him, she didn't say anything. When he introduced himself to me, he introduced himself to me as D. So I don't know what was going on. I don't know what was going on. So then they call our names and I'm looking at my mama like, okay, I guess I'll sit in the lobby and wait. No, actually bring your ass on into this courtroom with me. So I'm like, <laughs> because I already had a son. Remember, I'm 14. I have a baby. I it's just my, it's not the first time I've been to, I guess, this kind of court, this like family court situation. I just never had to do it for anything like this. So I don't know what's going on. So I go in there and they're talking about literally the lady who says the announcement or whatever she says, says, um, oh, we're all in hearing for uh termination of parental rights for blah blah blah, my father's name, and Esther saying Amy. <laughs> oh my god no for real that's how i found out that's how i found out and i looked at my if looks could kill i would have singed her ass oh my god i was looking at her like do you have me me up in here like this and you're not telling me what the fuck is going on and i am a mother i'm a mother ma come on now hold on so that happened. The judge didn't let it happen or whatever because he was because he really he didn't want to pay child support for me. He was like, I don't want to pay child support for a child that I don't know and I don't really intend on getting to know. Is like what he said. And I remember I couldn't even look at him because at this point now I've just realized what's going on. And I'm trying to, especially at this time in my life, I was a wild child. Like I was that wild card. So this could go either way. <laughs> this could go either. I could get really quiet and just get into myself. Or if that hurts too much though, I will right. Oh my God, I'm about to wear out on you niggas. Cause what y'all got going on here? Cause that feels better. And we're gonna be 100% honest. And that's the route that I chose most times as an adolescent was the way that felt better. So fuck is going on here, but that's my mama. And I never really cursed at my mama or anything like that. So. It reminded me to keep my shit together. So this was me. You see this, like, that was literally me. I remember walking like this. So like, I didn't see him because I was like freaking out of my mind. When we leave all out the courtroom or whatever, and we're in the lobby, now that we all know that I know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> he goes and introduces himself to me again. But like this time, I just looked at him. He said, hi, it's there. I am your father, <laughs> legit, legit. I am your father. If you ever need to talk to me, here is my card. And on the card, it said D. I I'll hold you not. I hold you not. It's okay. Handed me his card, and then and walked away. Oh my god, that's sad. And I looked at my mother like, wait, because he said, baby. He said, if you ever need to talk to me after this nigga just was up in here terminating rights, for what? What I need to talk to you, nigga? <laughs> what we gonna Have talk Have you about? ever talked to him? So, um, 
I left what I left New York in uh February. I left New York February, right? He actually died um like mm-hmm. the day before I got to Texas. Um a month before that, um a month before that, I was at Trudy. I mean, it's so crazy. I was at Trudy. Remember when I came out and I told you? Huh? What year was this? Right before I left to go to Texas. How long ago was that? I don't know. I was like 2018, 2017. Okay. So, because I left right after that new year. He called, remember, that's that new year that I did that new year with you. And then um, he called me that January um, and was like, kind of like, hey, it's the. Um, I know we've never spoken, but I would like to speak with you. Um, let me know, kind of like, like, you know, I guess let me know when you have the time or something like that. It was the weirdest conversation. It was the weirdest conversation because when he said D, I didn't even know who D was being for real. I just knew it. I I thought it was family because he had like the heavy Haitian accent, but like, I didn't really know. He had to tell me he was my father. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, well, why now? I remember kind of being off rude, but then I had like to go back to work. So I was like, all right, I guess. And we banged the phone and then like, like, please, I'm not about to call you. I'm just gonna be 100% honest. I'm not about, I'm not about to call you. Um, and then when I got to Texas, yeah, cause I think I was in the hotel. Was I, I think I was, now I spent like two weeks in the hotel when I first got out here. No, I was like right after the hotel. So like a month into being to Texas, um, my, brother got in contact with me on Facebook and was like, uh, hi, are you Esther <laughs> um, Adeline Joe? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, do you know who I am? And I know my father's name, you know? I see met listen on the thing. I had my name as some, and then supposedly that got dropped. I don't know. But, um, yeah, he was like, I'm your brother. And I was just like, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, because because y'all know this man who like, and it's so funny because he has like a lot of kids who he's like in their lives for or whatever. And like, y'all know this man who like, I don't, I'm not saying he was a bad man or anything. I don't know. Um. So for me, you guys have like really, I hate to say that, like, you guys had really real expect, like experiences with your actual fathers. Um, for me, I didn't like, all right. So my, so growing up, what I remember, where I realized a fa- father was missing, I was a little girl and I guess I was playing outside with the neighbors and I don't remember how old I was, but I was definitely under five because we went into foster care at five and when I was five um, and I was playing with them and they would, I don't, I don't know what they were saying about their dads, but they're talking about their dads and stuff. And I'm over here like, huh, where's my, dad? where's my dad? So I went to my mom and I was like, I don't know how or what I said, but I was like, where's my daddy? And she told me my my daddy passed away. And you know, one thing I will say is like, I I, I appreciate that. I appreciate it because I appreciated that she was honest 
and didn't just try to sugarcoat anything because while maybe I didn't fully comprehend, I knew that he wasn't able to be there. And I, and with how she said it, it wasn't anything bad. Like it wasn't anything, there were no hard feelings associated with him. And that I could feel that then. So then from then to keep it about like, I never thought about a father. <laughs> like, and I know that sounds crazy, but I never I agree. Felt, yeah, I never thought about a father because there was so much other shit happening. Like from being snatched in foster care, then I'm in this first home and I'm I'm like, how the fuck am I gonna fucking get out of here because this bitch is abusive and I can't. So then I'm thinking about that, right? Or I'm thinking about, damn, I don't want to say that I can't, I'm struggling with my homework right now because if I tell I'm struggling with my homework, I might get beat or whatever. And I never thought about a dad. Like, and then my other experience with the dad was when, in my second foster home, when I started um, living with Ruby and her husband, Mr. Robert, oh, Mr. Robert, (laughs) and he was there, and I mean, Mr. Robert, that was the homie, like, he played with me outside, and things like that, and, like, he cooked, and from what I saw in their interaction, he was kind of just, like, I don't know, he was just kind of, like, really chill, and kind of, like, you know. I think, I think that's, uh, the, you the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think that that's a, a Caribbean man thing because remember Ronnie, Rocky's husband? Ronnie was very like that. Ronnie only ever said one thing to me like in discipline, like one time. I cried. But that's a. Besides he, that, he let uh, Rocky handle everything. Everything was very Rocky based. And then like he cooked and shit. Like he, he did house things and you know what I mean? But it just. With the kids, he wasn't. He wasn't the biggest one. I mean, you still knew he was there if you know if you needed him, but overall, yeah, yeah, Miss Robert was really chill, and I appreciated. I I did appreciate his presence, and then I and I never really thought about this. Then I think I've thought about this um, as conflict arose in my situation with Ruby. And so, like, I remember they um, separated because of whatever they had going on. And then I didn't really see or hear from Mr. Robert. And I didn't think about it really then. Um, But remember, I got adopted and I have his last name. And so I think as conflict, uh, not as as conflict arose with me and Ruby, like upon adoption, I just had a first and last name. When it came to adoption, I didn't want to change my last name, which is why I got my name hyphenated. And I didn't necessarily want to take on an additional name, but I felt bad if I didn't. And so then it was like, I don't took this nigga's whole last name. <laughs> and he's not present. And it didn't make me, it didn't, I don't think, maybe I have more to unpack, I'm not sure. But I don't think 
that it didn't make me like angry with him at all because I saw that it was about them. I was able to see that, but it made me feel like, well, that's normal anyway. Because I was, and, and, and I don't know if I thought that was normal in relationship. I don't know if that's what I thought was normal or if I was just so used to people coming in and out of my life at that time. Right. I think the latter. Yeah. So I don't know. That was my, that was my only experience with like a dad other like in relationship. Um, I don't, I don't think that I've, you know, that they say like a lot of time people, they'll date who their father was. And I didn't really have that anything to really sample. And what I found in relate, what I did find in, find in relationship was that, I don't know what I found in relationship is that I did date people that were more chill. Right. Um, But I've never thought anything because I'm pretty chill myself. And I don't know if, I don't think or know if this was a thing with him, but what I found and, and I, and I think that it's just a me thing is that I, I think it's just the healer in me is a attracts or wants to help or wants to fix. And I think, I think that is a part of me because I wanted to be able to help and fix myself in my situation growing up. So I don't necessarily find that it's, I think, I think it's just like, oh, when I see someone that, and I don't think, it's definitely not conscious. Now I'm so much more aware of it. And I've not got time for that shit, baby. Amen. Because we do not (laughs) be walking around trying to fix niggas. I so understand though. I think that that also just attributes to having broken people in your life. To having, as in to say, um, we were raised, initially speaking, by someone who was broken. Mm -hmm and who was trying to find her way. And we loved her regard. We knew, we knew from young that mommy was a little broken and we loved her regardless of it. I remember, I remember something after mommy had a stroke, one of these kids on the school bus said some shit to mommy about the the reason that her part of her face was like a little saggy. And I was (laughs) like, Let me let you know that when mommy got on that school bus that morning, I got on that school bus with mommy that morning and I told that nigga, I will fuck you up if you talk about my mother again. Say something else. I, nigga. With that being said, I know my mama. I know my mama got her shit with her. <laughs> I, know, I know she got her shit with her. But I love her so much. And so how could I not meet and give this new person the opportunity to make me love him as much as I loved my mother. That's unconditional, irreplaceable love right there. I know for a fact that my love with my mother was unconditional, irreplaceable, and just nothing else matches it. So how could I meet this new person who I can see is a little broken, but I know that they are able to give this unconditional love. 
Or and they, they can't, because you're looking for the wrong people. And you're really wrong, but because you got your own shit going on in your head, that's what you told yourself, that it was okay. It's not okay, bitch, because he's broken and he's about to fuck you up. Mentally, physically, emotionally, I don't know. But he's about to fuck you up. But you tell yourself, you see, I'm about to, because this was, I wish somebody would have told me this. I wish I was about to tell you some shit, because I just made it make sense for you. But bitch, you're wrong, okay? You're wrong. Red flag, red flag. Red flag, you can't help who raised you. By far, you can't help who raised you and who you fall in love with. That is definitely the truth and nobody is trying to tell you to control it. But you do have a choice in who you allow in your life and what you allow them to do to you. Yes, and you need to realize that while, while maybe you have the capacity to provide that unconditional love, people can only give what they can give and they can only give, like, and, and another thing, another thing, if, if someone does not, you don't, you don't go into a relationship looking for another part, a piece of you, or to fulfill a piece of a puzzle, like you're some puzzle, right? While we are complex beings, we can only fix those pieces ourselves. And so if you're not actively doing the inner work, and if you're not actively doing the inner work and if you are not actively falling more and more in love with yourself, how can you, how can you recipro reciprocate? If you've never really felt that love yourself, there are a lot of people who, for whatever reasons, whatever life situations, whatever, who have never really, really, truly felt just unconditional love and safety from their elders and the people who were supposed to protect them. And so they take that on their shoulder and then they live throughout life. They've never really done the work because something that I see is that a lot of, I wanna say our black people, Caribbean people, um, people of the diaspora mm. don't necessarily wanna do therapy. And whatever shape or form that therapy looks like, therapy says crazy. I think I think I think that that is uh, um, I think the truth is that that's a film that they place over, so that they don't have to dig deeper into that because mm. it hurts. Digging deep hurts. Doing the work, no one's like we all say, do the work and love yourself in peace, and it's hard to love yourself sometimes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I've done the work. And in the process of the work, realized that I did not like myself. And then had to find a way to like myself. And that in itself was hard as hell because I had already gained certain patterns and ways of thoughts and 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 just critical my critical thinking was just bad, negative. So I didn't even really like myself. And so I don't really want to dig into that because, uh, you know, that's a deeper thing of why you have to figure out why you don't like you. <laughs> like, what you mean I don't like myself? Because people don't hear that when they don't like themselves. But but it's because you got something going on. And it's not that you don't necessarily like yourself, but you got some shit going on. And, and, and you oh, yourself know that you should be talking to yourself about this shit. You should be trying to work it out. How you be trying to work out shit with your friends? It's always so funny to me when I watch people and listen to people be like, oh no, that's my friend. I'm gonna fix it with her. I'm gonna fix it with her. They put so much 
energy in investing and trying to do something with someone else, but yet they've never put that amount of energy into themselves. How can you really create this, I don't know, climactic friendship with someone and you are not the best self that you could be to even give them that. Absolutely. People don't want to look inward. People don't Say want to look girl. Say it again. It's a shame. And even thinking back, like when I was in middle school, that was probably the most self-hate that I felt middle school to high school. That was the most, the most amount of time that I've had issues with um, me not feeling all the way worthy of even just life because I felt like I was, well, I'm here. I wasn't planned. My father doesn't want to be in my life. Why wouldn't he want to be in my life? My grandparents have to raise me because my parents are negligent. Like, it's just, it's just me feeling like I don't belong at all made me feel like very invalidated and I was doing bad in school. So I'm just like, and you know, they teach you, go to school, get good grades. You'll be able to do this, this, and that. I was thinking so far in the future because of my anxiety that I was thinking that I was going to be homeless in a box because I wasn't smart enough. So from me just getting bad grades equated me to thinking that my future, I would not have a future because I was not good enough because I was not supposed to be here in the first place. So I really struggled with depression bad when I was a child and it didn't, when I got older, I didn't even date in high school, really. I was scared to, and I felt like no one would want to date me because I don't have a dad. He don't want me. So why would another man want me? And you, a lot of the times when you don't have your father in your life, you look for validation somewhere else. And I learned that in therapy, <laughs> the brief amount of time that I went to therapy, but they say that a father figure or a father gives you your validation. So we all internally are looking for that validation that we don't get because that validation is supposed to come from our father, especially as a little girl, especially as a little black girl, because we're told the joke is always that we don't have our fathers and they make fun of us for not having our fathers. Then they're killing the fathers that we had and then making fun of us because we don't have fathers as if that's our fault, as if we chose our situation, like you guys were saying earlier. As if white men don't leave women all the time. As if they don't leave their women pregnant all the time for the next bitch. And then they be, and then they do things like they have money and shit. And they do shit like leave your ass with nobody with all these kids on the street to have to figure it out. This I was figuring it out the whole fucking time. It's not just a racial thing that they are single parent households. They're the poster child for them. Friends, I have a few different kind of people, friends. I have a white friend down the street. And baby, hold on. (laughs) You couldn't be racist if we're going by the definition, but just to be clear. If we're going by the definition, but as if to say, I, I, I enjoy, there are certain white people who I enjoy. Who I just genuinely enjoy in my life. I ain't gonna hold you. Like, like I I enjoy Ellen. Like I enjoy Ellen. And I know they're saying a lot of stuff about her, but here I am to tell you I enjoy Ellen. But you know, so that's just my way of saying, like, 
I enjoy, there are certain white people who I enjoy in my life. And their parents are not, are not the picture of what you say your white American white picket fence situation should be. I'm just saying. Like, a lot of their parents are even more fucked up than our parents. Like, that privilege sometimes, I think, makes you a little crazy or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I never really had that. I never experienced it to know how entitlement can support my views and shit, you know? I never, I never, you know, um, I always had to dig my shit up from the motherfucking sinkhole. But either way, y'all parents is real fucked up, too. And you lived in a single parent household and your father also hit your mother and your father also told you he wasn't shit and he also wasn't home and he also fucked the neighbor and he also left for the neighbor and then went out a whole motherfucking family and didn't come pick y'all up when he said he was gonna pick y'all up. That's not exclusive to black people. Like, that's an American thing. All y'all do that. <laughs> In other countries, you're not even allowed to fuck a bitch without motherfucking marrying her. <laughs> you're not even allowed to look at her without giving her family a fucking dowry for her ass. And a goat. I want my fucking goat, bitch. What I do want to say as she's getting her shit off is that we are not fucking property. And that's that on that. There's kind of two things I want to ask. Um, one thing I want to ask Celeste before I ask both you guys the follow-up question is Esther obviously talked about how her dad had these other kids that he raised and he was actively a part of their life. Um, I know your dad also has two other kids. So how, I guess, how, what is that like? I know, cause I know that would be different from Esther cause she didn't know, know them. What's that like? Yeah, I know them little people. <laughs> I want to call them something else, but. <laughs> You know what? So the when I really started developing a relationship with my father was probably around 21. I was still in school, I believe, 20 or 21. And I actually had met them when I went to North Carolina. Um, he was still with his wife at the time. Um, so because I met them at 21, you know, they had to, my aunt had to prep me for that situation because that was going to be the first time as, an, as a functioning adult, fully functioning, fully coherent of all the situations going on, fully enlightened about the fact that I didn't have him growing up as and an adult. There for yeah. these people. And I'm going to be meeting this man for the first time. So because I met him for the first time at that time, <laughs> because I was meeting him for the first time, it was, it was very, I was very anxious, to say the least, very anxious. And I was like, wow, I'm going to be meeting this man and his children because I knew that he had children. He had gotten married and he didn't really tell me that formally that he was getting married. I had to find out through Facebook. So I was, I was like, wow, he's been taking care of these children. That's my boyfriend. <laughs> he was taking <laughs> he wants to walk in the frame <laughs> so I'm like wow he's taking care of these children and I don't really have 
a relationship with him and I have to watch him care for these children while he hasn't cared for me. And it did kind of hurt because we also didn't get to the bottom of our situation at that time because it was like the elephant was sitting in the room the whole vacation in North Carolina. And he bombarded me with fun and his personality because I get most of my personality from him. And we just never got to the bottom of that. Like, hey, let's talk about the actual elephant in the room. You weren't here. We don't really have a relationship. I see you raising some other kids. And then later on down the road, he's not with the wife anymore, but he still raises her kids. But now he has a husband. So that's a whole nother can of worms. But that's not really, oh, you never knew Esther. <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms. But I'm so sorry. Were- I'm so sorry. I feel like I have to pick up my job because I, I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. No, I still never do that. It's juicy. So, I mean, I... Thankfully, I grew up, my grandfather raised me wonderfully because he never judged anybody for their sexuality. He never judged anybody for their race. He treated everyone the same, literally. He's an embodiment. He's like, he is, he's a reverend. So he's an embodiment of Jesus Christ, seriously. Because he lived his life, because he was so, he was so devout as a Christian, he lived his life the way that he knew Jesus lived his life. So because he lived his life that way, I always had a great relationship with him. And I had a great relationship with religion and stuff because of him. And because of, and because of him, I had, no, I had no bad feelings about finding out that my father was gay. And I was like, you know what? Honestly, that opens up a can of worms to where I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm starting to understand you more because you had sexual going on you had a lot going on you moved to atlanta and you were trying to figure out yourself you were trying to understand yourself and then you also married a woman so you had so many things going on in your life and then there was this whole little person y'all created who you were supposed to mold into something but you can't really mold that into something if you don't really know what you are yeah, like you can't you can't do no molding if you haven't molded. That's that's hard. That's really hard. And that's why I appreciate the relationship that we have now because we can have he always, he always tells me that right now he can only be a confidant because obviously he has no he has no right to be a a, a parent that reprimands me right now because he did not raise me. But you're he grown. And you're grown. He you don't need parenting. Absolutely. And, but right now, he knows that he can be someone that gives me advice and be a friend to me. Because after a certain point, you are no longer parenting your kids. And that's what a lot of parents don't understand. It's like, you're grown now. I can give you advice. You can take it or leave it. But just know that when you stumble and fall, I will be there to yeah. pick you up. Although I told you so. Although I will tell you. I told you so. And that's what he's told me, and I appreciate that. So I appreciate that we have that relationship. And honestly, that's what God intended. God intended for us to have that relationship where I had my grandfather growing up, and he really gave me all the building blocks, and he was the one who set the tone. And then once he's gone and watching over me now, hi, Grandpa, now I have someone who I can be friends with, 
and the puzzle pieces are all connecting now because really? all the hurt that I felt as a child is now making sense. I feel like I can hug the baby me and the child me and be like, it's all going to be okay because one day you will have a relationship with your father and it's going to be amazing. And you will be proud to have him walk you down the aisle. You will be proud to carry the last name that you had all these years because I struggled that as well. Like, why do I have this last name? I'm getting made fun of at school for this last name. And I don't even know this man. So I even have. I even have <laughs> I never even for thought about that. that. I just I that. for that too, because I was just like, I have this man's last name and they making fun of me and I don't freaking know him. But then when I get connected to my family on that side and we have so much in common, I know that's where I get most of my personality from. I love them so much. I, every holiday is lit. Rebecca will tell you. Honestly, God did that. Because you weren't ready for him at that time. A lot of times, sometimes you, you probably would have been, whatever he was going through, you probably would have been traumatized. Like, Mm -hmm. and I know that you were probably going through through it in your brain and I know like you know what I mean that's not to discount it at all but it probably would have been worse having Mm -hmm. had him trying to figure him people do really fucked up things to other people when they're trying to figure out themselves and I don't fault him for that anymore and I totally forgave him because he's Mm -hmm. trying he's so amazing now we have a good relationship now he is her daddy's lit um so I just want to kind of end this off um with knowing the importance of a father figure in your life and our lives as women. And Celeste kind of touched on this, um, but if you have any more to add, please, what are ways that we can heal, heal, heal that inner child within us? So can I tell you for me, because so I knew my father was around or whatever. I don't know. I never actually like in my brain attributed him to any fault of mine. So when it came down to it, um, whenever I would ask mommy things or whatever, at the end of the day, I always, I don't, I don't even know how to say this because I just always knew that I was I was greatness. And because I always knew that though, because mommy would be like, yeah, no, because mommy would be like, and I think it's because she knew that her and my father had like this weird relationship. And I was like, out of all this, he was married at the time. He had other children and she was like some whole, there was a whole situation there. Right. So I think she knew in her mind that she was always going to tell me that, Hey, you're great. Because I think that if I would have, found all of it out and not have had the mindset that I had, that that would have crushed me. I, I cried about that shit. <laughs> I cried about that shit. And it hurt my feelings to cry about. I was like, how are you crying about some nigga you don't even know? <laughs> you really crying about some man you don't even know. But then I had to realize that even though I don't know him, he, that is blood of my blood. And it that, that sounds... You're always still going to feel it. Yeah. Blood calls to blood. I'm a firm believer that blood calls to blood, that family calls to family. And you can create your own blood to call, but love calls to love. So 
for you, for me to be a product of you and for you not to want me blew my head for a few. But in that same thought, I remember being like, oh, he whack as fuck, though. I remember because my mama told me that I was great. <laughs> so I was like, oh, he whack as fuck because I'm popping. So I remember it's a don't internalize a thing. I think it's a don't internalize their pain because that was my father's pain or whatever but he had going on because he did wrong. He made a mistake. He did whatever he chose to do. My mother didn't force him to have sex with him and now they didn't have sex one time. But I'm dope as fuck. So he went like as fuck. Obviously, that nigga don't lame. That's what I was. <laughs> That's what I said to myself. We was walking out the courtroom, and I was thinking to myself, halfway, my mama lame too for not telling me <laughs> about what the hell it was. But regardless of all of that, she prepped me and told me, "You are greatness from birth." So I think one of the biggest things that we can do is tell ourselves how amazing we really are and how if this didn't happen to us, if I didn't have a baby at 13 years old, if everybody didn't tell me I wasn't going to be shit, I wasn't going to graduate high school, I was going to keep having babies, I was going to be a hoe, all that shit, I probably would have actually done it. I'm just going to be honest. I was already going through a whole bunch of shit. But everybody telling me, no, 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 you ain't going to be shit. Eh, eh, eh. My mother already prepped me and told me I was made of greatness, honey. So every time you told me I wasn't going to be able to, I was already in the mind of. Watch. But yes, I can. Watch this hoe. I still ain't none of the shit y'all said I was. But that's because I told my little self, I'm made of greatness. You are a woman. You are iron. You are made of gold. You are amazing. Tell yourself the things that you don't even believe until you believe it. That was so beautiful. What would you say, Celeste? I would say, because for me, it's a little different because no matter how much my grandfather told me that, cause he would just randomly be like, I'm proud of you, kid. I had no idea what the hell he was proud of. I'm like, okay, I make straight C's. Thanks for being proud of me. <laughs> like, <laughs> But to me, I think that he saw beyond that and he always saw greatness in me, but I didn't see it in myself because I was so wrapped up in my own head about things. So I think at a point you just get tired of crying and you want to change something because for me, you know, I guess some people would call it weak, but I, I spent a lot of time being emotional and crying and feeling worthless. So I feel like after some time, Although people are telling you the opposite and you feel like they're just saying it to be nice to you. I feel like for people who are super sensitive like me and who get really down and get really sad and, and feel their emotions, I feel like me allowing myself to feel my emotions makes me a strong person because I allow myself to feel. So because I allow myself to feel and I've always acknowledged that that's something that I want to improve in my life, I've always wanted to improve in my life emotionally and be one with myself and be great and know that I'm great because not only because I am great, but because my grandfather told me I was great because my mother loved me and told me that I was beautiful and great because my grandmother loved me, but I have to look inward. It's only about you. It doesn't matter who else tells you that it's about how you feel about yourself because they can tell you all those things and you won't believe it. Your own head, you have to get that right. And a lot of people, they don't get themselves right. They need to look inward. And a lot of people are scared to look inward because they know the work is ugly. The work is ugly. 
It's so ugly. You're crying. You have anxiety attacks. I remember having anxiety attacks in middle school. I'm on the floor crying. I'm hyperventilating. I'm making myself sick because I'm so sad because I don't know how to deal with these emotions. And I was so young. So I feel like as you get older with time, those moments shape you and you know that you don't always want to feel like that. So now, I mean, the last time I cried fully was probably my grandfather's birthday in December. And obviously in October when he passed was like, I feel like I got all of those emotions out of sadness because I was sad for a few years before the last time that I cried was October when he passed. And then again in December on his birthday, his birthday is the 30th. I feel like since then, I would feel myself getting overwhelmed and emotional, but then I would change it and be like, you know what? He's no longer suffering. I can't feel bad anymore because that was the most suffering those past three years where he was sick was the worst. And because he was sick, I was emotionally sick because I was very depressed. I couldn't even move forward in the things that I wanted to do in my life because I was so sad. And I was like, you know what? These emotions that I feel, are so unhealthy because I got most of my confidence from him. And because he was sick, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I was like, you know what? I can't rely on my confidence from other people anymore. I have to rely on myself. And then that's when I started my journey to really loving myself more because, you know, sometimes I would feel that I'm a a weak person because I cry and I'm emotional and I get offended by things, but I should be able to feel those emotions, analyze it and be like, you know what? This is why I feel that way. Trauma from my past is coming up. I need to correct that. And I acknowledge it now. Why did that make me feel that way? So I feel like it takes time. And for people who don't have that strong will initially, because I was also bullied and people who aren't bullied, they usually go to, I would never be bullied because this, that, and the third, that's just your personality. Everyone is not the same. Everyone is not in this one because we're cancers, right? But you see, we're like different spectral cancers because I was the bully. And so because I was, when, when I acted out, like, so my big thing was, cause I was a crybaby. We knew this from jump street. I knew this was a jump street. I knew I was a crybaby. But my thing was, I will never cry in front of nobody. And if I cry in front of somebody, then then you're going to get the anger. Because um, because I, didn't, I never really allowed myself to be sad. Is where you allowed yourself to be sad, I allowed myself to be angry. So you, you act different. Yeah. Nope. I was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. So when you uh, when you become the bully, then um, not to say it's like it, it just doesn't allow you to. You really can't see outside of that. I don't even know how else to say that. I really couldn't see outside of that because I was too busy trying to keep you here. Like you just can't be on my level because if you get on my level, then goddamn, what what happens at that point? Am I gonna have to open up? Am I gonna have to? I'm good at detaching, and I learned that very young. I think we're really different type of cancers. I think that has to attribute to how you were raised. Because I I feel like because I was raised in a home where I saw two parents together, although they weren't my parents, I saw a relationship, a good relationship where when they fought, it was petty things. Why did you move the cup over there? 
I've never seen toxic fights. Oh. I've, I'm an only child. There, so there's so many factors that attribute to that. So I feel like emotionally, we're still on the same page, though. I think... I think... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say something silly. But I like to think that I started off as a winner. I mean, I was the fastest sperm. And so how could I not be? Um, so that's like, and I know that's like so silly that I know that's so silly, but if you, I think if you remind yourself, you started off winning, um, it'll kind of at least help you kind of start to set the tone. Um, I think, I think for me, I think I always and i know this is could be weird um i think and i and this could be a result of me being able to so easily detach maybe the aquarius in me um but i always knew that this wasn't this ain't it and so in that same instance though the detaching was also not healthy um and so while you guys were you know teased for your you know emotions um that's a superpower so i think that it's important to regardless like at the end of the day you're going to have to feel this shit at some point <laughs> so you might you really might as well start now um it's better now than later you know what i'm saying you see so many older people who have not dealt with their traumas and how sad they are and how broken they are and it, it, it's really heavy and it really weighs a burden so i think the sooner we start to deal with our shit whatever that shit is just start unpacking it like what are we folding today um and and dealing with your shit i think when it comes to dads um i haven't done much thinking about this and so it, i thought of it as we were talking about some things that mr robert passed away and i at the time i was sad that i like i found out he passed away after he passed away but then i was sad that there was no hey would you like to go to a funeral no closure because i would have liked to go to the to have gone to the funeral you know what i'm saying like while you guys had your strife or whatever um he was still cool to me like you know what i'm saying to I me when i loved him as well yeah like i loved him too and so um i think that i never this has come to me as we've been talking about. I don't think I've ever processed or really grieved his death. And lately, as I do more work for my Ori, my higher self, I, and I'm honoring my ancestors, I'm more um, intentional in making sure he's my ancestor too, because secondly, he, had, he adopted me. And so making sure that I'm, as I honor my mother, as I honor, you know, all these, all, all of my ancestors, that I make sure that I'm honoring him as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's been some work for me. Um, there's no time like the present to deal with your shit. Um, 
I agree with everything you guys said by reaffirming yourself because the reality is we come here by ourselves, and no matter how many great relations um relationships friendships etc that we create here the reality is when we pass it will just be us mm -hmm. and so you need to make sure that you are nurturing and caring the, the person that is with you at every moment the person that deals with your shit with you, the person that can remember only the shit that you know or knows the only thing, the things that you know, and that's yourself. So I think you need to make sure at all times, regardless of what it is that you're nurturing that person and feeling your feelings and dealing with your shit, because it's, it's not fair to put those, it's not even fair to put that expectation on someone else to deal with it for you because they can't. Can I add to that? Mm -hmm. So when you were saying that, how you, how you're, um, you, you're going by yourself when we pass, I feel like we're healing for our ancestors who didn't get to heal. So me and honoring my ancestors as well, I think of my grandmother, which is my father's mother, who that's a whole other thing because he also lost his mother. So I understand that he was broken in his parental relationships that he couldn't be the parent that he needs to be, you know, and he loved his mommy. Little boys love their moms. That's just a fact. So I've been doing my best to honor her because I've never got to met her because she passed the year I was born, I believe. And I feel like you're healing for your ancestors. My grandmother, she's like, I think she's in her 80s. She won't tell me how old she is, but she's probably in her early 80s now. You know, she hasn't healed from her things. And she's also grieving the death of my grandfather. And I know when she does pass that I have to heal for her. I have to break the, that generational curse because it goes all the way back to slavery. And that's a whole other, whole other conversation. But it literally you feel all that trauma. That's why we're so attached. And that's why we're so triggered when we see injustice and things that happen because we are taking it back to our ancestors. We feel their pain. It is flowing through us. Their strength and their resilience is flowing through us. So we have to heal so that the generations coming after us, our children will heal as well through the things that they have going on, but they will heal even better than us. So if we're doing a great job of healing, imagine what our children will do and our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and so on and so on. So I just wanted to add that a little bit. That was beautiful, because you're right. We, we are setting the tone. We are. We are healing for them. We're healing for future generations. We are creating history and legacy. And we should honor ourselves and our lineage by making sure that we we are nurturing ourselves um and on that note do you have any last words esther okay and so thank you for tuning in to palia bell speak kindly to yourself love yourself nurture yourself and have a good father's day to all the good daddies out there